all you have to do is literally develop a small product feature going, well, today I'm not going to get my uh, chicken nuggets delivered. I need a COVID quick test, you know. And, uh, <laughs> sure. If people were listening to me two years ago talking about this, I'd be like, what is this guy talking about? Uh, <laughs> That's great. Here we are. That's fantastic. Yeah, definitely. Here we are. Here we are. So, That's uh, awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just uh, super interesting. But... Hello, and welcome to another episode of 24 Minutes of UX. If you're new to the program... This is a worldwide, community-driven podcast series about user experience, where we connect seekers of UX wisdom with givers of UX wisdom. I'm your host, Jesse Anton, and I'm joined by... Peter Horvat. If you were with us in the previous episode, you know that this is a two-part series. So if you missed the previous one, go back and check it out. Yeah, Peter. So we are breaking the rules a bit, and we decided to issue two episodes instead of just one, because we couldn't break this conversation down into a single 24-minute episode. It was just impossible. Uh, the guys are, are so awesome, and we just thought that everybody would want to hear the entire discussion. Yes, and it is a good discussion because of its topic. Probably breaking into the field of UX resonates with a lot of you out there. So the giver is Andrew Esselford, who is currently working for a software-as-a-service company in Atlanta and previously worked for a media company such as ESPN. And the seeker is Matthew Bradley, who has worked for an FMCG company based in Switzerland on digital transformation. And so without any further ado, let's get back to our discussion between Andrew and Matthew. Um, second question then. So looking ahead, or maybe let's say a more of a philosophical question, do you see UX as a mindset or a skill set? Hmm, that's great. I'd say, ooh, almost like a way of life, but maybe that falls in the mindset yeah. category. I don't know, yeah. but yeah, it's, I find myself as I've grown in this field, like I'm working more with UX that even in my day-to-day -day life, I'm like, why doesn't this cup fit in the cup holder correctly? Yeah, like, why exactly. isn't the handle? Like, why? It's like, why can't the handle fold up so it could like fit in the cup holder? You know, stuff like that, you know, like walking in the airport and like, why is, you know, why are people directed this way when they can go this way and it'd create a faster way to their gate or something, you know? So it's, it's really interesting as you work in UX, you develop these kind of six senses in a way of just like walking through life and you're like you know this could be easier this way or you know like uh, yeah exactly. uh, you can yeah the experience could be better or streamlined in some way so anyway like i'd consider definitely a mindset but also even more than that leveling up a little bit a way of life because i'm constantly like seeing things in other products i'm like that'd be really interesting to have in our product uh, i work within the growth team at my company where mm -hmm. uh, we design um, tests to try to maximize trial conversions so when yep. people sign up for a free trial, we try to get them to add their credit cards. So anyway, like I've studied other free trials at other companies and I'm like, that's cool that they have like an add credit card button there next to a countdown of amount of days left in the trial. Like, why don't we do that? So that's something we actually tested and performed better than not having the add credit card button. So yeah, anyway, it's just about like, you know, experiencing different products and similar products and seeing like what you could do in your own that way or like take different ideas. So yeah, I've definitely learned it's a mindset for sure, but also a way of life. And that's fun too. I'm kind of nerdy when it comes to this stuff. So I enjoy like just kind of like diving in and immersing myself and experiencing those different things. But I don't know if you're the same way. Like maybe you've lived uh, situations where you know things could be better too. Yeah, look, uh, I love that notion of uh, it becomes a way of life. And it probably does sound super nerdy. But uh, <laughs> look, let's say when I had my first introduction to this uh, in 2017, I was, uh, I got to the end of the, my workday. And at the time, I was commuting on the train. So I got to the train station. 
I'm like, wow, this is designed in a way to get people on and off a train as quickly and as efficiently as possible. <laughs> and I just started noticing all these details around it. I'd never noticed before, you know, how this was designed, what was working well, what wasn't working well. You know, like a Swiss train station is designed in a certain way and they almost have like a cult following in terms of design, you know, <laughs> like the, the clocks they use on the platform is actually almost like a collector's item. So I don't know if you've ever seen oh, wow. like uh, the Monden watches and whatever else. Oh, uh, I believe, mm-hmm. I think uh, Apple may have got into trouble for copying this design a few years ago. Don't quote me on this. <laughs> sure. so fingers crossed we don't get sued here. But uh, <laughs> yeah. but then, yeah, there's all these sort of elements coming out. So for me, my kind of realization of this way of life came sort of 25 minutes after finishing work, uh, after my first experience with UX. And I've not been the same ever since, you know, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, definitely. I've learned Swiss infrastructure is better than American infrastructure, too, because our train stations are not designed well. <laughs> so that's good to know. Yeah, you know, I've always wondered, you know, if anyone's ever listening to this and wants to set up a consultancy in terms of Swiss infrastructure for the rest of the world, uh, I'm sure you make a lot of money there, you know. I was just going to say, there's a funny example in the United States, of, especially in COVID times, where people doing drive through and like takeout experiences more right now, where Chick-fil-A is actually headquartered in Atlanta near me, and they had this like <laughs> reputation for the best of drive-through experience and how they have it mapped out, like people taking order well before the little check-in window and all that. And they're like, whoever's running that should run the vaccination process throughout our country. <laughs> so it's really interesting how like well-designed experiences can gain respect and attention, and people are like, oh, that should be replicated somewhere else. So I've definitely experienced that as someone who appreciates good UX and good design experiences. That uh, you know, those are transferable throughout different things. Yeah, uh, I think one. One example of this as well. My younger brother is uh, currently based in Sydney, mm-hmm. and I saw there's a local food delivery app, let's say similar to Deliveroo or Uber Eats for you guys, and uh, as well as being able to order your usual food pickup and have the delivery, they were also starting to deliver rapid testing for COVID. Oh wow! You know, this is kind of a genius approach because they <laughs> already have the infrastructure. All you have to do is literally develop a small product feature going, well, today I'm not going to get my uh, chicken nuggets delivered. I need a COVID quick test, you know. And, uh, <laughs> sure. If people were listening to me two years ago talking about this, I'd be like, what is this guy talking about? Uh, <laughs> That's great. Here we are. That's fantastic. Yeah, definitely. Here we are. Here we are. So, That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's just uh, super interesting. But, uh, but yeah. yeah. Look, so going back to one of my other questions is with a mature team uh, working with UX, do you see, let's say, a UX team more as a standalone team in a business environment or one that is more integrated with your product development team or even to your marketing? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I can only kind of speak to what I've lived right now, but it works really well integrated within the product development team. Uh, it's something where design is respected and given a seat at the table early on in the process where we mm-hmm. talk about quarterly goals and problems we need to solve and how are we going to design things that solve those problems. And those discussions happen even before the quarter begins, but it's stuff that we can then put within our product roadmap because we're part of the product development process. So I don't know what it would be like as a UX person not working within that environment. I think it'd be somewhat foreign to me. I think it'd be a lot more difficult, but I've really enjoyed the respect our team has as a whole just within product development because it's just a natural part of the process now or design uh, dictates kind of what this is going to do and how it's going to help customers and how it's going to affect the business as a whole. And then the engineering team will take the handoff. And then if they have questions during the development part of things, like they'll definitely let us know as the, the UX team, like, hey, you know, maybe we need to rethink this or something. But before that point, we'll have design reviews of various stakeholders throughout the company. Um, engineering will have a seat at the table in 
that process, maybe our chief product officer, um, the VP of product, you know, so there are mm -hmm. a lot of stakeholders yeah. at the end of the design process. And that's all possible because we live within product development. So yeah, I think it'd be a lot more difficult and there'd be misalignment, I think on business goals, if UX was a standalone group, I think within our company. So uh, I'm so glad that we're within the product development umbrella. And I see that a lot now with uh, companies in my country where UX is uh, living within the product team. Sometimes there's crossover between like my particular group, like content design and like maybe the marketing team. So there's some you know, moving outside the boundaries that way, but but uh, for the most part, it, it's definitely like a product development group that impacts and influences design decisions that lift the company as a whole. So I'm so glad that that's the case. And mm. I'd be curious to know what you think about that as well. Do you see that kind of model being used throughout the world or, you know, what do you think the best way would be? Right. And that, that I mean, for me, this is, let's say, music to my ears, put it that way. <laughs> yeah. But based on what I've experienced in the past, you know, it's quite funny. You mentioned, oh, we're respected. We have a seat at the table early on. And this is my, my previous experiences were like, we've had to fight to be at the table from the start mm -hmm. or it becomes an afterthought, put it this way. And I don't think it's really, like, it's not really intentional. It's just uh, we're changing the ways we work. We're changing the ways, let's say, the processes are changing. Uh, job roles are, are changing at the same time. We're going through a massively disruptive period in time where more and more technology is used all the time. Yeah, I think for me, you know, it'd be a dream to be able to, to integrate all of this because, like we said before, uh, it becomes a real strategic enabler. But at the moment, you know, based on my experience, and maybe this is also maybe a lack of maturity, maybe generating business results that people gain a bit more confidence. But it's like, hey, here come these guys with their wacky ideas and their posters, <laughs> you know. Uh, and I've had this comment made several times as a design thinking coach, you know, there's this really enthusiastic guy that's jumping around like a puppy and uh, and he's got his post-its ready. And then, you know, I'm like, we're here to kind of really help to, to challenge a problem, to challenge assumptions and so on and so forth. So It'd be awesome to be able to work in an environment like this, to be very honest with you, um, because uh, then we can just start getting things done. To yeah, be honest, you know? exactly. So, yeah, it's, it's just super interesting. Yeah. No, I think what you said there about having the seat at the table and gaining that respect, it's so important and it doesn't happen overnight. And it's something that I think is just earned over time. But I'm so glad we're at the point now, especially my company where UX is respected and part of the process. And yeah, I can't imagine what it'd be like without that. I think it'd be a lot more difficult and a lot more misalignment would happen because of mismatching of particular goals if uh, communication got jumbled <laughs> because we weren't part of the process. Yeah. 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 Which interesting actually takes me on to my next question actually for you so uh, from your point of view uh, what is the best strategy to maximize the ux value based on business outcomes oh yeah that's great i, I think definitely having quarterly goals is something that are developed from the top and then passed on down and then maybe even customized based on what part of the company is customizing them. You know? So I think like having that kind of trickle down effect, but quarterly goals is something that we do at my company. And it's mm -hmm. really helpful, I think, to kind of personalize what you're doing each quarter in a way that's most meaningful for you, but it's still relates to the overall larger goal of the company for that particular point of time. So I think developing, like we call them OKRs in the United States, but just yep. developing uh, these you know, consistent goals where we can work toward for that particular amount of time are really important. And we have OKRs within my team and then, um, you know, they fit into the UX goals for that quarter. And then the UX goals fit into the product development goals. So I think that's a good way. And it's been helpful for me and my team to kind of keep our eyes moving forward 
forward and just kind of uh, stay grounded with what we're trying to accomplish. We're also doing something new, though, at my company where the UX team will actually work ahead of engineering by quite a bit, maybe like six months or so, and plan ahead uh, projects that go beyond the current quarter in a way. So mm-hmm. we can be ahead of engineering by quite a bit. And there's not this lag time of like, well, engineering now is this built everything. UX is designed. You know, we're just waiting for new designs. We want to have this flow where UX is maybe working six months ahead to already have these designs ready for uh, engineering to build out in an expedited process. So I think that's an interesting way to think about it too, where we're going beyond the quarter and going beyond our traditional OKR messaging and things like that and thinking beyond uh, the current amount of time that we're working in. So I think all those have been really good ways to keep us focused and keep us working toward uh, just the business goals as a whole. And uh, yeah, I think that organization is so important because I can't imagine what it would be like if we were kind of like a wandering around and kind of lost <laughs> working on things. Yeah, yeah. But I think overall, like having that consistency for a company is so important. It keeps you motivated too, as an individual contributor like myself, you know, if you know and have clarity uh, with what you're working on and that you know what impacts and influences the business as a whole. It keeps you motivated. So anyway, that's how I see the most effective way for UX to, um, you know, uh, influence business goals is just by having that organization going from the top down and then seeing it mature from there. Yeah. Yeah. So look, uh, my second to last question, and it's probably a provocative one, but I'd love to get your opinion on this one. So will uh, UX replace traditional fields like business analysis? Ooh, yeah, that's a good question. I, I don't see it that way, actually. I really? work, okay. yeah, yeah. I'm working within the team now, the growth team I mentioned, where we actually collaborate with our business intelligence professionals to design tests and learn or use behavior to influence our design decisions. So I almost see it as like a collaborative effort. If you can bring those voices into the fold, it'll make the UX better, it'll make the design better. And then because of that, it'll make the customer experience better. So uh, I'd really like to see more collaboration actually within my own company and throughout the industry with UX and business analysis and business intelligence, because I think there are insights as a UX person that I just don't grasp because I'm not around things like that day to day within the, you know, our numbers and our um, you know, revenue flow and things like that. So uh, I think there are big lessons to be gained as a designer just from uh, learning, you know, what is going on with uh, user behavior on a deeper um, level. So, um, yeah, I've definitely been better as a um, content designer uh, working with those business intelligence professionals over the past year because they've had some big impact over um, when we design these tests, like deciding whether or not they should become um, full experiences for everyone, not just tests anymore. So uh, I've really enjoyed that collaborative effort. It was something that I never really considered before this team. I never had any experience with um, business intelligence and having an influence design process, but mm-hmm. it's opened my eyes in new ways in the past year to see how that collaborative effort can actually lift the business as a whole. If we don't have those silos between business intelligence and UX, and if we bring those two groups together in some ways, the UX people can actually start to think in some ways like business intelligence people and be like, what are we trying to measure with this? Or well, what do we want user behavior to be in a certain way? Like, you know, how should we measure success with this redesign or something like that? So I think those things are really important as UX matures, like finding ways to show value with our work. And if we collaborate with business intelligence, we can accomplish those things because they have insights into certain parts of the business that I don't have day to day as a UX person. So um, if we can just work together as a team in that way and collaborate as we design things, I think the business as a whole will benefit from it. Well, that's really interesting because that's 
in all honesty, that was not the the answer I was expecting. To be very honest <laughs> with you, so that's a, that's really interesting. I really like the the message on collaboration as well, and also kind of getting you know as part of being let's say a good UX designer is being able to listen to everyone and get their perspective. So actually, that's actually a good learning for me because I yeah, it's kind of new for me too. Actually, a year ago I wouldn't have had that answer, but <laughs> it's something that I've gained in the past year, and I think I I really hope more teams do this over time as I bring those different voices into the fold and bring business analysis and business insights into the fold early on in the design process because I think overall you'll just make better, more intentional design decisions if you have that business data to back up some of the design decisions you're making over time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting because, you know, speaking to some colleagues of mine and some some friends as well who work in like business analyst roles, quite, let's, let's, go, let's go quite high, high level, We've had a, often had a discussion around this and said, look, I think uh, UX design is actually replacing my job. So that's really interesting <laughs> to get your point of view here. You know, I think as the world evolves, we have to actually learn how to evolve as well, but also how to work with different stakeholders, which is an yeah. interesting takeaway for me. So, yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> yeah, no worries. <laughs> there is one final question, I think. Um, now, for me, I'm starting to see like the, the rise of things like employee experience or EX or even customer experience, CX. So, you know, how do you interpret these rise of the, these terminologies, you know? Uh, from my point of view, I, my inter- or my interpretation is that the wheel is somewhat being reinvented based on, let's say, industry trends instead of industry needs. And I don't know how you, what, what, what do you think about that? Hmm. Yeah, I've had to think about that a little bit, but I think it's good that there's more specialization happening. And as we've talked about, I think that's the way of the future where these particular finite concentrations are going to be developed within companies to maximize certain experiences for customers. So I see it as a good thing. Um, I don't see it like replacing anything in particular. I, I think it's just going to evolve over time. We might even see more uh, development of these specialized roles or like little mm-hmm. branches break off of these certain roles that you're seeing rise now. So I think it's only going to grow more over time. And uh, I, I view it as a welcome development. As a UX person, I c- can work with customer experience people, in particular at my company. I work with our support team every now and then to determine uh, you know, what customers are trying to find out right now or what they're struggling with. And I have a teammate who talks to support agents quite a bit and brings feedback to our UX content team. It's like, maybe we need to write a support article based on this feedback I'm hearing from these support agents. You know, So I think the more we can have these specialized roles and collaborate with those particular experts in those areas, I think the business as a whole will benefit from it. And like I said, I view it as a welcome development. And I hope more companies embrace that over time and just become more aware of those different special specializations because they are rising and i think over time we'll even see more uh, specializations like i said break off in those areas so yeah it's really fascinating to think about it's something i didn't really think about a few years ago but ex and cx and different areas i think there's a lot of room to grow and see where those develop over time just as ux too you know we've seen yeah. ux grow and so i think we'll see similar developments in those areas as well that's really interesting because uh, I, I like your approach in terms of like maybe I'm too competitive. Maybe I, you know, <laughs> like I like this this notion of like oh I, I welcome it because as you say it's an area of specialization that's developing. Uh, it's, it's, it nicely ties back into your message around you know it really, this really depends on your your expertise or your or your knowledge area here as well. So I actually I hadn't actually interpreted it that way before but uh yeah it's interesting because from my point of view i have a you know i do have some experience in marketing but then digital marketing and now you see customer experience here as well you know before 
working in my current roles, I worked in the service industry for a long time, you know, and, you know, I worked in bars, I worked in uh, ski shops and so on and so forth, <laughs> and where customer experience is really is key. And like, and those principles to me, this is where I learned them. And now we're, we're applying them to areas of technology and so on and so forth. So I find this kind of interesting how these principles always come back. Yeah, I have an example of one part within our company where we changed terminology related to a pretty key phrase with our product um, based on experience, like listening to sales calls from the customers with a sales rep from our company. And the way we described it in the app was confusing to our users. And so the sales rep would say, hey, this is a website pool, not a keyword pool. And then it made sense to them because there's a number that went up on their website and swapped and things like that. So anyway, that was an example of us studying those calls and being like, hey, they're talking about this differently with customers. We should use the words that customers are using with our sales reps or our support agents um, to design new experiences. So that's just an example of using that feedback from those other areas within our company to influence future iterations on designs or new creations that we come up with as a UX team. So yeah, I think the more collaboration, the more study we do as UX people with how customers are interacting with our product, with even just other areas of our company, like support agents or sales reps or something, I think that we'll just make better products and the business will benefit from that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good point. I really like that. Look, uh, Andrew, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Uh, I don't have any more questions on my side, so I don't know if you have any questions for me uh, at all. But uh, it's been yeah, it's been super interesting and super fascinating to to get your point of view. It's really really helped me. Oh, my pleasure, Matt. It was so interesting and fun talking to you today. And like I said, it, I just love having the world become a little smaller place during this time and be able to connect yeah. like we are today. So thank you so much. Well, thank you. We really hope you enjoyed this conversation between Andrew and Matthew. Be sure to check out the other episodes of 24 Minutes of UX if you haven't heard them already. We remind you to tell a friend, rate us on your favorite podcast platform, and spread the word in any way you can on social media about what's going on here if you like these podcasts. We really appreciate that. And if you want to be a seeker or a giver in an upcoming episode, be sure to reach out to us on 24minutesofux.com. Until next time, keep calm and UX on. This episode is brought to you by 24 Labs and is edited by Gwen Buell.